I understood from a young age that I needed to learn how I took charge of my own story because my visual identity was something that already people had a story associated with. And so it was really important to me to feel that sense of agency. First, understand for myself, who are you? And then secondly, how do you actually share that with other people, given that the story that they have of you is wrong? But what about on like a societal level, right? Like where people that look like me or people like my family, people like my community are completely misunderstood. How do you actually change that? That's Maria Bangi, Vice President of Representation and Inclusion Strategies at the Walt Disney Studios. Before joining Disney, Maria was the executive director at Harness, an organization that works to center the stories of marginalized communities in popular culture. When I did get into Hollywood, I remember the first kind of layer of resistance that I would feel from a lot of people, because I would be sitting in a lot of rooms with powerful people as the executive director of a nonprofit, right? Where number one, people thought I'd be an assistant. Number two, people thought I wouldn't speak English. People would often talk past me rather than to me. It was incredibly difficult to sit in a room where nobody looked like me ever and to speak up, to share my experiences. This is Finding Humanity, and I'm your host, Hazami Bermada. Through true stories of courage and purpose, we put a human face on the biggest challenges of our time. This season, we will focus on how women's excellence shapes history. In each episode, we bring you powerful voices of women, sharing challenges that they had to overcome across different fields and cultures and their journey to achieving greatness. Maria grew up in Southern California. She was part of a family with a unique history. I was visibly identifying as a Muslim from a young age, um, which is something that was fairly new in my family. My family is Indian. Um, we've been in diaspora for well over 100 years, living in different parts of the world and have been minorities in various countries, um, in Africa, in Asia, in Europe, and now in America. And so because of that, in some ways, it's an amazing way to grow up because you have this global family that you're a part of and a lot of traditions within your family around how to maintain identity and be proud of your traditions and your culture as a minority because we're not first generation minority, right? But in another way, um, my story never looks like anybody else's. And it was something that meant that I never fit what people expected me to be. I think when you come from a community where the minute somebody sees you, whether it be because you're differently abled or have a, a difference physically, whether it be skin tone or hair texture or body shape or you wear a job, there are connotations that come with that. There are associations that come with that. Wearing a hijab, also known as a headscarf, caused people to immediately associate Maria with her religion. But her identity was much more complex than that. 
I definitely identify as a woman, a woman of color, a Muslim woman, a woman who wears hijab. Like all of those I think are different. It's been a journey for me. I think for a long time, there was one primary identity I leaned into, which was a religious or faith-based one, because that was what people saw when they looked at me, right? And it was almost like I didn't even have permission to be a woman, you know? And I didn't give myself that, like, vulnerable space because I didn't feel safe, you know? And it took me time, actually, to say, what does it mean to actually to be a woman, right? And to be a Muslim woman in a community that oftentimes has real problems around that. In college, Maria became a community organizer in the Muslim community. For the next decade, she worked in the social sector, eventually launching her own social impact consulting firm. In 2018, she joined Harness as their executive director. Harness is an organization started by actors America Ferreira, Ryan Pierce Williams, and Wilmer Valderrama. Their goal is to center the stories of underrepresented communities in popular culture by collaborating with activists and artists in the entertainment industry. I never thought about working in entertainment. It literally was not a thought in my head. And I grew up in Southern California my whole life. You know what I mean? I loved going to the movies. I, I was a creative writing major. Like I love English and storytelling and all of that. But even though I lived down the street from what is the largest storytelling machine in the world, I never saw a place for myself there. I never saw somebody that looked like me. I never saw people that look like diverse women in general. I think unless you see something, you don't actually know it's possible, right? Then when I did get into Hollywood, I remember the first kind of layer of resistance that I would feel from a lot of people because I would be sitting in a lot of rooms with powerful people as the executive director of a nonprofit, right? Where number one, people thought I'd be an assistant. Number two, people thought I wouldn't speak English. People would often talk past me rather than to me. And it took time, you know? And I remember having conversations with America, for example, or with Ryan, her husband. He's a white man. He's an incredible, uh, he's like a brother of mine and was like such a champion for me and would like sit and like process things with me, you know? Um, and I remember having conversations with America and I'd say, look, like we went into this meeting with that president of that studio and she literally ignored me that this is like a woman ignored me the entire meeting and acted as if, as if I was an assistant even though I was literally the leader of the organization they wanted to come and do work at their studio right and America would say yeah but how are you going to get comfortable how are you going to take up space how are you going to exercise your voice right and that was the thing it's interesting I worked and I was proximate to a generation of women like Ava DuVernay and Eva Longoria etc who are all from an older generation that really had to break through, right? So they weren't sitting in a room and waiting for somebody to ask them to speak. They were like, all right, we open that door, we're going to break this down, right? As somebody that is fairly confident and had, a, had already accomplished quite a bit up until that point, right? It was incredibly difficult to sit in a room where nobody looked like me ever. I was always in a room where I was the one the only one that was different, right? And to speak up, to share my experiences, to, you know, really learn how to exercise my voice. And I would say, again, I think I'm a fairly strong and confident person. So you can imagine how it would be for someone else um, to be in kind of the spaces that I was in. Not surprisingly, 
Women of color like Maria are underrepresented in leadership positions in Hollywood. According to a 2019 McKinsey research study, in the United States, women of color hold only 4% of C-suite roles in media and entertainment. The reason I got into media representation was because storytelling is in some ways the most essential of human technology. It's the way that humans make meaning of the world ever since the beginning, right? It's how we understand each other, ourselves, the world around us physically. And if we have intentionality and deeper thought in the stories that we tell, they can actually encourage connection and understanding. But if we allow for there to be fear and for the stories that we tell to be shallow and to be kind of collapsible in the sense of like, you know, we simplify people and their experiences, then they actually can be a real cause of division, of misunderstanding, of violence. And so essentially for me, I understood from a young age that I needed to learn how I took charge of my own story because my visual identity was something that already people had a story associated with, right? And so it was really important to me to feel that sense of agency and to say, first, understand for myself, who are you, you know? And then secondly, how do you actually share that with other people, given that the story that they have of you is wrong? And then the second kind of question is, all right, I understand this on an interpersonal level, but what about on like a societal level, right? Like where people that look like me or people like my family, people like my community are completely misunderstood. How do you actually change that? It is important to accurately represent the experiences of people that we don't often see on screen. If you're not at the leadership table, your voice is not going to be represented. That's Dr. Sean Andrews, a leadership, gender, and diversity expert. Dr. Andrews understands that to have a more inclusive workspace, we must have diverse people in leadership positions. If you're surrounded by people that look like you and think like you all the time, then it's not going to occur to anyone to think outside the box because you're with like-minded people. So it's incredibly important to have that diversity of voice in leadership. And also you have decision-making um, authority and influence over others' careers. So people coming up the ranks when they look at the top and they see you, they're actually more encouraged. And you can see a path to success when you see people who look like you, especially if you're another woman and you look up and you see a woman in a VP or a president or even a C-suite role. You're encouraged because you're like, hey, she did it. I can do it too. And the media also plays a role when it comes to leadership. Representation matters. And many people today, I would say even most people, have multiple identities. You may identify as a woman, but you may also identify within a certain race or ethnicity. But you may also identify as LGBTQ. Or you may have an identity as perhaps a veteran uh, in the military. So we have different identities and that's called intersectionality. So because of that, it's incredibly important to see this representation of that intersectionality in media. And historically, we know we haven't seen it. Historically, you see men saving the world is a very common thing in, in movies and media. Women are the ones that they're saving. We rarely see movies where women are the heroines. 
where women are saving the world. So representation is a big piece, but it also reinforces power and how power is distributed in our society. So if we always see men in positions of power, we internalize that and we start believing that that's the way things are supposed to be. As Dr. Andrews notes, media and entertainment have long been dominated by male narratives. Since 2002, It's a Man's Celluloid World has tracked the representation of girls and women on the top 100 grossing films in the United States. The 2021 study found that 85% of films featured more male than female characters. Male characters outnumbered female characters by almost two to one. And just 31% of films featured sole female protagonists. Having women represented on screen is important because those stories translate to real life. Media not only educates us, but it shows us role models. I can't tell you how many women I have researched, interviewed, that share with me that their role models were what they saw on TV or in the movies. Because a lot of times women don't have female role models, especially at that leadership level. There's a huge leadership gender gap. So if you want to be a vice president or a CEO and you look up at the top, a lot of times there's not someone who looks like you. So a lot of times women or people of color actually look to movies and that's where we get our role models. What Dr. Andrews is referring to is exemplified in a 2016 study by the Gina Davis Institute on Gender in Media. The study found that the movies Hunger Games and Brave played a role in making archery the fastest growing sport in the United States. Seven in 10 girls in the study said that Katniss from the Hunger Games and Princess Merida from Brave influenced their decision to take up archery. Brave was Pixar's first female-led movie. Growing up, Maria didn't see herself represented in the media, but she found her role models in other women of color working in Hollywood. In 2016, she was hired as the Vice President of Representation and Inclusion Strategies at the Walt Disney Studios. Maria and her team are responsible for advancing cultural representation across Disney. I will say that in the entertainment industry, the single greatest advocates and teachers for me have been other women of color. So whether that be America Ferreira, who's an incredible Latine artist and producer who did groundbreaking work around the representation of Latine women in Hollywood, whether that be Kerry Washington, whether that be Julianne Cromick, who's the former vice president at Disney, who encouraged me to take this role. I have always seen and felt supported by women and especially women of color in my journey um, who opened doors and made me dream far beyond what I would have thought was possible. In her role, Maria is shaping content that is seen by billions of people around the world. And that content often helps people understand from a young age who they are, who other people are, what's possible for them and what the world looks like. And so I feel a tremendous amount of opportunity and excitement around my role, but also responsibility around knowing that the stories that we tell impact so many people, especially children. I travel a lot and it is insane to me to literally 
any place I've been to in the world, I see Disney and I see the Disney princesses and I see Mickey Mouse. And it's just one of those things where you're like, this is stories that have literally touched so much of the world's population. But the princess myth, right? And how it's shaped generations of young girls in terms of understanding, you know, when will my prince come, right? And like, what's the purpose of my life? And what is my life going to look like? And what's most important? And how do I think about myself? And is my value attached to what I look like? And, you know, all of these kinds of things are things that we're grappling with internally. And um, you'll see that Disney has really changed in their representation of women and of princesses. So for example, um, Raya was the last princess that we did last year, right? She's Southeast Asian. She is a warrior. She has a dragon that she works with, right? Like it's a very, very different storyline. You know, you've got Moana, you've got Brave, you've got um, obviously Frozen, which is really about the love between two sisters, right? Like this is all a new way of telling stories where we're really, really breaking out of this like, you know, archetypal kind of love story where the woman is really waiting for this prince to come and save her, right? We need to make sure that every woman, every person who identifies as a woman is able to see themselves, you know, and is able to recognize themselves on screen and see that they are their own hero and that they have agency and that all things are possible for them. The emergence of diverse stories comes hand in hand with changes in the media and entertainment industry. The Writers Guild latest inclusion and equity report found a significant increase in the number of writers in film and television who are women or people of color. The percentage of working writers who are black, indigenous, and people of color went from about 13 to 37% in television, and from five to more than 22% in film. And the percentage of women writers went from 29 to 45% in television and from 17 to nearly 30% in film. While these groups still remain underrepresented compared with their share of the nation's population, we seem to be moving in the right direction. You are seeing um, a lot more intentionality around hiring diverse people, whether it be women, whether that be people of color or other dimensions of representation. Um, there is a huge drive for that, which is really incredible. And I think there's a real clear sense in the industry that it's not just morally the right thing to do, but it's actually good for business. It brings in new talent. You get to tell different types of stories. You get access to different audiences. So people understand commercially, this is also something that we want to do. Maria attributes this change to a racial reckoning in 2020. There is absolutely a sea change with the murder of George Floyd. It's really heartbreaking that it takes something like that, right? But it was this perfect storm of events, I think, a global pandemic, people being in economic uncertainty, incredible loss of life, and then this racial reckoning and awakening, right? which led to a national and international conversation around representation. And I think what I've seen is before that, there was already movement happening within the entertainment industry around how do we get more intentional around representation. But that was a watershed moment. And since then, we have seen the industry drastically shift. And I think that is also tied to this next generation of young people who absolutely will not take 
what representation looked like for a previous generation. They're, this is not what they're looking for. And so consumers do really hold power in that way. Social media also plays a role in the move towards a more representative culture. I think something that people don't understand or recognize enough is the power of technology. Before, media was really a one-way conversation. You consumed your television, you went and you watched a movie in the movie theater. With the advent of social media and new types of media, you actually have a vote. Uh, Twitter has become a place where you can have a two-way conversation with creatives and you can speak directly back and say, I don't agree with this and this is not okay. And similarly, with places like YouTube, you can choose through your clicks, what's the content that you actually want to see, right? And so consumers now are in a two-way conversation for the first time, which actually means that studios and the industry itself has to really understand audiences and understand what they're looking for and who they are. Not only do audiences have a say in the content that they want to consume, but they can also create content themselves. The thing that is amazing about new media is that you could be a TikTok phenomenon. <laughs> you could be an Instagram influencer, right? You actually have the possibility to actually create a real platform. And everybody has that access. It's actually free, right? It's, it takes time. It takes energy. It takes creativity. And eventually it will take resources, right? But you can get started in that way. And when you become a creative, there are then many ways that you can learn how to translate whatever you're doing into larger and larger forms of impact. So I do think with new media, we have this incredible era of opportunity for creatives that is incredible, right? I mean, when I was 15, I had no way of getting to millions of people. Now they do. Maria has advice for people who want to contribute to a more inclusive future. Be much more critical about the culture you consume, that your family consumes. Understand that culture is not neutral. It's not. It's telling you something. So practice that muscle. Be discerning. Understand. Recognize. Educate yourself. That's number one. Number two, be proximate to people who are different from you. In order to really understand each other, we have to be proximate to each other. We have to be close to each other. And for me, the things that I think made me the best storyteller was actually getting out of my comfort zone. I was an organizer in churches and synagogues. My you know, boss for a year was a nun. I have worked uh, in prisons, Native American reservations, at the border with refugees. Also pitched for million dollar grants and talked to venture capitalists and talked to billionaires. So like get in the mix, you know, I encourage people to, if they can take inspiration from my journey, just know like there's so much more possible than I ever imagined. And I think you have to take risks. You have to put yourself out of your comfort zone. But if you do, and if you stay true to your ethics, I think it's really possible to have an impact in the world. And we desperately need people to do that. shape and inform the world in which we live. We need to do more to ensure storytelling spaces are inclusive, expansive, and diverse. There are many ways to do that. Here are just a few examples. First, when you see a TV show, film, or movie that you think portrays negative, racist, or unfair stereotypes, contact the producers, tweet to them, and voice your opinion. 
Second, when you see shows and movies that you love, let the producers know. And lastly, get out there yourself. Create content that speaks to your lived experience, your culture, and your community. You can start anywhere, even on Instagram or YouTube. If you'd like to hear more empowering stories from Finding Humanity or to learn more about this episode, visit our website at findinghumanitypodcast.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Your ratings and reviews help Finding Humanity reach new audiences. So we thank you for your support. In our podcast, we cover pressing and at times controversial social and political issues. The views and opinions expressed are those of the interviewees and do not reflect the positions or opinions of the producers or any affiliated organizations. Finding Humanity is a joint production of the Humanity Lab Foundation and Human Group Media. Our co-executive producers are Camille Lorente and Hazami Bermada. Associate producers are Fernanda Oliegas and Tani Jarapaprasok. Policy and background research by Carolina Mindica and Tani Jarapaprasok. Mixing, editing, and music by Maverick Aquino. For this episode, I'd like to thank Maria Bongi and Dr. Sean Andrews. I'm your host, Hazami Bermada. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to seeing you again on the next episode. Thank you.